0: My subject for this evening is gonna be servant of sin or servant of obedience. The text for this lesson this evening is gonna be in Romans chapter six, verses sixteen through eighteen. Romans six, sixteen through eighteen. And it reads Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness. But God bethink that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Obedience in today's religious, religious world has been greatly diminished. And when it's emphasized, obedience has been referred to as legalism. Now, a side note about that term legalism. I kind of found a definition for that legalism. And and the definition I found reads, overly strict or rigid adherence to the law or to a religious or moral code. Most of us may think that that's just something that you might hear denominations talking about. But that's in the church as well. I have seen that in the church. Uh, We were stationed in California before in that particular morning the minister wants to talk about baptism and he seemed to have a problem with baptism being required for salvation I've also heard a couple of times when I was a kid growing up we my parents owned the dry cleaners and um, the one guy that worked for us there he would always say that when they would get talking about religion why are you all so strict my question would be why not be so strict because when it comes to God's word there's no other thing to be strict. You want to, be, you want to get that right. You don't want, want to mess up on that. That's something you want to get right. So we should never stop emphasizing the importance of obedience. We have two choices when it comes to obedience. You can obey sin, which leads to death and destruction, which many will do, or you can be obedient to righteousness and live eternally with the Heavenly Father. The importance lies in the final destination after this life is over, whether it be in death or in righteousness. In death, Romans chapter 6, verse 21 reads, What fruit do you have then in the things which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Revelation chapter 21, verse 8 reads, But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, Sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is a second death. That's the terrible place to spend eternity. I wouldn't wish that on the worst person that I know. But there's another destination which is much better conditioned to spend eternity, and that's righteousness. Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 8 tells us, Finally there is laid up for me A crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but to all but to but also to all who have loved his appearing. Revelation chapter eight Revelation chapter nineteen, verse eight, I'm sorry, says, And it and to her it was grant granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. John 1 John chapter one chapter three verse seven. Little children, let not let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. A choice can be made, and the state of a person can be changed. Many have made that choice to change. Most of us sitting here tonight have made that change. We are not always obedient to God, God's words as we are now. We had to make a change. Here's a passage that tells us what a change from a servant of sin to a servant of obedience looks like. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 11. And it reads, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. I was in that list somewhere before. I was in that list somewhere before. And probably some of you were in that list as well. When you think about it. But, then verse 11 comes along. And i like to say that verse 11 kind of bails us out. It says, and such were, past tense, that means that that's how I used to be. Such were some of you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. We made the change and became servants of righteousness, and that's how we live our lives now. Colossians chapter one verse thirteen says, "He has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son." In making that change, this act must be done without hypocrisy, without reservation. There's no holding back. Many will try to hold on to the world and still serve God. Some will say, "I am not a servant of Christ, but I'm not a servant of Satan either." You can't have it both ways. It has to be one way or the other. You're going to serve one or the other, whether you claim one or the other or not. You can't have both You have both ways. You can't serve both of them. Matthew 6, 24 reminds us that no man can serve two masters, for he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. But once the change has been made, there is nothing, there's no turning back to the former way of living. It is now a thing of the past. Luke chapter 9 verse 62 states, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus knew the pressures of man and what he would encounter as we try to follow him. These burdens come from many directions. There are social issues, family issues. We face them each and every day. Thus the metaphor of a man plowing in a straight furrow. One who plows must look before him so as not to plow a crooked or bad furrow. So also, he who desires to be a member of of the body of Christ should never allow other matters to distract his attention. In closing, that's very quick. There's another little tidbit I want to share with you all. We've kind of mentioned it earlier, but here it is again in, in a different way. The scripture has two directions for us to go to. We can either go to heaven or we can go to hell. Two ways, the narrow way or the broad way, as described in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Two masters, God or Satan. Two walks, the spiritual walk or the fleshly walk. There is no halfway point in any of these. So which are we following tonight? Are we a servant of sin or a servant of obedience? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. Many in our world are still following the servant of sin. So, if you haven't made that change, now is a good time. If you have heard the gospel and believe it, then confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Then repent of your sins and be baptized. After that, live faithfully unto death. If you, have made that, if you have made that change, but kind of gotten off track, as we all do sometimes, it's not too late to come back. So, whatever your need may be, why don't you come and make it known as we stand. This thing is a thing of encouragement.